Hey, Bears fans. Welcome to a new edition of Bear Scat. Uh, this is the holy light shining down on me, Scat. And uh, I'm Thomas. I'm Jim. And uh, we are two jamokes that are going to bring the glory back to the Bears along with Mr. Ryan Poles. <laughs> yeah, what a week for the Bears. I mean... Uh, Sunday, or sorry, Saturday during the playoffs, we have the best Bears on the field moment in about, what, 10 years with <laughs> Robbie Gold knocking the Packers out of the playoffs, and I, I say that more as a poke at the Bears as opposed to the Packers, but, you know, hey, you can you can kill two birds with one stone, right? And it, it was still as delicious as a hungry grizzly eating a giant salmon. I loved it, um, but that's not what we want to talk about today. The big news is uh, the Bears... Steal the Vikings' top general manager choice and swoop in and hire Mr. Ryan Poles from the Kansas City Chiefs. Yes. Uh, it's obviously the, the first domino to fall in this process. I'm, I'm happy that they hired the general manager before the coach. Um, and yes. you know, Ryan, Ryan Poles, uh, I guess what's, what's your reaction? Well, the, um, number one is yes. It didn't make any sense to me right from the get-go when they were talking about that, you know, first they start off uh, doing what seems to be equal amounts of interviewing on both sides, and I was more than a little confused because I just feel like in a team hierarchy, you need to have the GM be part of that process. I just, I feel like that's the logical thing, and, you know... Our experience so far with the way George McCaskey has run things has not been so logical. So, no. so um, this kind of started off uh, with a little bit of a, a, a shoe stuck in the mud kind of feel to it. So um, I was happy to see them uh, bring that into focus a little bit more. And then, uh, you know, the buzz started, okay, it does look like it's going to be a GM first. And then to find out that uh, McCaskey just made it clear his his little ridiculous pickup at the airport <laughs> still did communicate, hey, I'm showing up here because we want you. I, I liked that, actually. I mean, how many times over the years have we criticized George McCaskey and the Bears for being incompetent or being slow to react or a lot just not doing things in the best way right and you got to give George McCaskey credit right I mean whether this ultimately turns out to be the right or the wrong hire he identified his guy and once he had his guy picked out he went picked him up at the airport and said you're not leaving the building yes and, you know right or wrong his uh we'll, we'll see how this this one turns out but that's what I want my organization to do it's once you have that guy identified, go get him. Don't let him get on a flight up here to Minnesota. And he's going to be our general manager. And haha, Vikings, have fun with whoever you hire. <laughs> right? Now, with Ryan Poles or with pretty much every other general manager that the Bears could have hired, you know, anybody that tells you right now that they have any idea whether or not he's going to be a good general manager is guessing, right? Like Absolutely. Anybody in the media, anybody doing a podcast, anybody writing a blog, heck, anybody even in, in the NFL, Bears, Chiefs, or otherwise, has absolutely no idea whether or not this guy's going to be successful. There's no way to know how involved he was in certain decisions in Kansas City. You can evaluate how smart he is. You can evaluate how hard of a worker he is. You know, I hope the Bears were able to do some diligence on his scouting record in the past. Right. And you can about you can ask all the right questions, and I'm hopeful that the Bears did. Everybody around the NFL seems to have nothing but positive things to say about Ryan Poles, but it's a bit of a it's a bit of a coin flip, right? I mean, and there's going to be luck involved too. I mean, things can go well or poorly no matter what process you go through, but I'm hopeful that the Bears vetted this candidate correctly and that they ultimately reached a good decision. Like I said, I mean, everybody seems to have really positive things to say. I think there's some red flags that I think we can talk about a little bit more, but, 
you know, I, I can't, you, you, you got to be optimistic on a day like today. Otherwise, you know, what's the point of being a fan? Right. Yeah. There has to be, uh, some hope and light. And, uh, we have a pretty good amount of that right now. We, we got some last year too. And we saw Justin Fields get drafted. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I agree. You, you don't know what's going to happen. Nobody does. But you can look at, uh, you can do what they did. And uh, they, they were diligent about interviewing several candidates, so several qualified candidates, several candidates that were, uh, there's an uh, open want around the league for their services. I was just reading about polls that his name was connected with four different jobs yes. right now. Yep. And it's like you said, McCaskey was like, you know what, I want this guy, and I'm not going to be shy about it. I'm going to go get him myself. I mean, how interesting is that just the the chairman of the board... Like walking of, through O'Hare. Walking through O'Hare, right? <laughs> His bear's jacket. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, and you know, he went and got his guy, and he made it clear. And I and I do like that. I'm, I'm right there with you. And um, the other part of it is just the... Anybody that gets hired as an executive part of it. And that's the fact that, you know, he was hired under Scott Pioli. And he managed to stay with the team through a, through him, through another GM, and to another GM. So there must be something there. Because he's in the exact kind of spot that if a GM gets fired, it's like, hey, uh, you don't have your stuff packed yet. Yeah. <laughs> get get out of here, you know. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, just to close down the George point, I mean, you know how much work it is to pick someone up at O'Hare? <laughs> it mean, really is. Like, that is not a small commitment. It it's not like driving to the airport in Minneapolis where you can get, you can get in and out of there in a few minutes. I mean, getting to O'Hare is a commitment. <laughs> she, she really loves you if she does that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So I don't even want to understate that um, because... You know that's that's a, that's a that's a big gesture getting to O'Hare Airport in <laughs> Chicago. But anyway, you know the only criticism that I've seen is that there's a lot of similarities between Ryan Poles and Ryan Pace. You're right, and that is a fair criticism. It is. There there are a lot of similarities. Um, first of all, the biggest red flag to me, and I'm only partially joking when I say this, is that. Ryan Poles was hired by the Chiefs in 2009 in the scouting department. And who was running the scouting department for the Chiefs in 2009? Oh, no, no chance. Mr. Phil Emery. So Ryan Poles' first three years with the Chiefs were working in Phil Emery's scouting department, which wow. is terrifying to a degree. And like you said, he survived many regimes. He was probably very low on the... The totem pole, so who knows if he was even interacting with Phil Emery, if, if, if he ever even met him. But when I read that, I was like, I'm out on this guy, right? Like, anybody that was connected yeah, with Phil that, Emery. That is, that's pretty scary, um, just to even have his name in the same sentence. I, I had forgotten Phil Emery, and I was fully content to never be reminded we're of him, all, right? We're like, all trying to forget that but, that ever happened. But on a more serious note, right, like when we talk about the similarities to Ryan Pace, I mean, first of all, Ryan Poles, very young. He's actually younger than Pace was when the Bears hired him. First of all, they're both named Ryan. Yeah, that's that's another <laughs> one, right? Let's get that joke out of the way, too. Yes, the Ryan P. office office marker, you don't have to change. I mean... <laughs> Everybody, everybody's making that joke. But, um, yeah, so very young. I mean, his entire background is in scouting, which is the same as Ryan Pace. Yep. He doesn't have any experience negotiating with agents or managing a salary cap, things of that nature. Um, he's worked in the same organization his entire career, yep. just like Ryan Pace did. So, you know, some of the same red flags that I think people talked about with Ryan Pace – but I think there are some important differentiators, right? Like like you said, I mean, he's been with the Chiefs the whole time, but he's worked under three different general managers. Yes. And so for his first uh, three or four years there, he was working under Scott Pioli, whose background is with the Patriots. And then Pioli was not super successful with the Chiefs. He made the playoffs once. 
And when he left, John Dorsey took over. John Dorsey came from the Packers Mm -hmm. and worked there for four years, and the Chiefs were very successful. Uh, They made the playoffs, I think, all four years. They won a couple playoff games, overachieved pretty consistently, and, and had a pretty talented roster. And then when Dorsey left, the Chiefs hired Brett Veach, who came up with the Eagles, and he's been the Chiefs GM for the last five years, and I don't think anybody needs a reminder about how well the Chiefs have done. I mean, wow. they're, they're about to go to their third straight Super Bowl. They're currently in their fourth straight AFC championship. Um, Purely and, looking at um, personnel. Yeah, and a lot of those picks were made by Dorsey, right? So not only has he survived three different regimes, it's kind of been under three general managers from different organizational backgrounds, which I think is a lot different than what you could say about Ryan Pace, who spent pretty much his entire tender uh, tenure with the Saints under uh, Mickey right. Loomis. And, I mean, the other big differentiator, right, is the draft that got Ryan Pace fired, Mitch yeah. Trubisky, who is the organization that did the best in that draft? It was the Chiefs yeah. with Pat Mahomes, right? And, you know, who... I Which they traded up for. They did. A, a lot. They traded far up, too. I think they went from, like, 25th to 10th or something yeah. like that, so... It wasn't like they just moved up a pick or two. Now, David Poles was a uh, college scouting director, I think, at that time. So presumably he would have had a big role in that evaluation. Right. You would. Li- I hope the Bears asked him how he evaluated Mahomes versus how he evaluated Trubisky. But I, I think those last two points are very encouraging. I mean, uh, he's got a much more diverse background, even though it's with the same organization. And then the fact that he was involved in getting the draft right that you screwed up so royally, I think is, is a really good thing to say. So <laughs> It's know. at least a very good start. Yeah, I mean, and, and just the, the praise that we're hearing for the hire just from people around the NFL is, is quite a bit is not what you heard from Pace. I mean, people, I, I don't remember people saying that the Pace hire was terrible, but a lot of people were kind of shaking their head a little bit, kind of saying, eh, you could have hired Chris Ballard, you could have hired... Somebody else, maybe Ryan yeah. Pace isn't quite ready. It, it was more of a lukewarm reaction from what I remember. So, And I, I remember um, while I, I remember feeling, uh, you know, pretty good about it. Um, I, I felt like we certainly hired one of the, one of the top candidates that was available. I felt like, uh, you know, he had been part of a team that certainly had some good personnel. Uh, but this is on a different level. And just the Mayhomes part of it is on a different level. Um, you know, there was there was the big three that year, and you know whether Bears fans like it or not, uh, Trubisky was certainly part of that big three. It wasn't just the Bears, uh, but the fact that um, you know that Mayhomes was to at least uh, from what I read. The most divisive candidate uh, in that draft, as far as quarterback, because of this crazy offense that he came out of. Yep. I mean, he was he threw the he was throwing the ball six hundred times a season. You <laughs> yeah. know, he's in the air raid. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, he everybody looked at him as the ultimate kind of boom or bust type of uh, player, and so to be able to see that, and then you look at the rest of the uh, the rest of the the Chiefs roster, and it it's pretty stocked, right? Yeah. I mean, there's there's some really good players on there, and there's not just your elite players, elite, right? For one thing, who do you name on the Bears that's elite? No one. There's no elite players, right? Um, now we have some good good players. We have some even great players, but at least not yet, right? Yeah. We're hoping Fields will be that elite player, but. They have not one, but they have arguably three, at least, right off the top of my head, you know, that are, are, are in, that, in that level. So what, what can we look forward to now? As you, were, as you were saying, we don't know exactly how much his hand uh, was in the poker game, right? Yep. But we do know his hand was in there. Yeah. And so uh, in, coming out of a, a definitely a good organization – Coming out of a situation where uh, a winning, a consistently winning organization, I think is at least a good step in the right direction. Oh, yeah. You couldn't have picked a better organization to pull from, right? I mean, you go through this list of candidates and, you know, you, you saw a lot of different 
organizations have multiple candidates that were in contention for GM jobs around the league, right? And some of them make sense, Chiefs, Bills. Others, you, you shake your head a little bit more. Like, there was, there's a lot of guys interviewing from the Browns. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're really smart guys, but, I mean, the Browns have had one good year in the last three decades. Yeah, right? so, like, I was shying away from that. Yeah, exactly. Or the Colts, right? I mean, good organization. I've complimented them a lot on this podcast, but... I mean, they just traded the farm for Carson Wentz, right? So, like, if if you're thinking yeah. about just this from a purely organizational perspective, you can't do better than the Chiefs. It, it, and let's not also forget, uh, with the Colts, they also brought in Phillip Rivers. Yep, they did. <laughs> Which was a total disaster. Yeah, and so, like, the, and so the, the, um, the Chiefs, right, I mean... Like you said, I mean, they're in their fourth consecutive AFC Championship game. I think they've made the playoffs six years Which in a is row. Which insane. I know Matt Nagy came from the Chiefs. I understand that. That we, We've <laughs> talked about this before, and just, just please stop it out there, okay? Nagy was a total screw-up yeah. in, in every way. He was not ready for a head coaching position. How the fact that... How that he even got there is a fact that we should be, if anything, that's what we should be scrutinizing is how did he get that job with a resume the way he has one? I mean, this guy, uh, not to mix head coach and GM, I'm just looking at his employees, right? If you look at uh, Ryan Pohl's uh, resume, he has a very solid resume, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, just starting from that. When you're looking at the candidates out there, it's like, wow, this guy's resume is pretty damn impressive, yep. right? I mean, if you're hiring as an ex- hiring an executive for your corporation, you look at his resume and you're like, this guy's pretty impressive, right? So, you know, that's the that's the thing is is that um, as you said, when you're talking about Ryan Pace versus Ryan Poles, Pace, um, his resume, while very solid, is not quite as shiny as as polls is just simply from the level of uh, the, the roster difference between the two teams at at their same point in their careers. Yeah. And I I think, you know, one thing that Pace and Nagy seem to have in common in hindsight is that they only really ever saw one way to do it in the NFL, right? I mean, Pace spent his entire career under Mickey Loomis, very successful, but one approach. Same thing with Nagy. He, he spent his entire assistant coaching career under Andy Reid. I mean, so we, we just went through David Paul's background. At least you're not going to be able to say that about him, right? The other thing I can say already, just having listened to some interviews that uh, Ryan Poles has done, is that I, I, I can already tell he's smarter than Ryan Pace. <laughs> I mean, I, I, don't think, I don't think Pace was a dumb guy necessarily, <laughs> but at no point, whether it was the contracts he signed or whether it was listening to him getting twisted into pretzels by the beat reporters <laughs> or, or anything else did I ever listen to Ryan Pace and think, you know what, that's a really, really sharp guy. We really have an advantage having him in our front office, right? Like, seemed like a, a nice guy. Seemed I, like I don't a, remember anybody ever saying no, that. Seemed like a hard worker. Seemed like he might have been a pretty good scout. All those things. But at no point did I ever listen to him and think, wow, I, I just learned something from that guy, right? right? I mean, I listened to like four sound bites from Ryan Poles earlier today, just as I was doing some research after they hired him. And I heard him say more substantive things in those four sound bites <laughs> than I had heard from Ryan Pace in seven years, is, right? Like I, I, his whole time. I was listening to him and I was like, huh, you know, that sounds like something that's actually an original thought that this guy had, not some canned response that you pulled out of the cereal box this morning while you were getting ready to go talk to the Holy media. smokes, was he the king of canned response. Oh, God, just, I'm so, I'm so... And, you know, that's another thing, too, is is that, as you were saying, Pace did, he did whatever he could to make sure that he didn't have to talk to anybody. Yeah. You know, and that was under, that was with both of his coaches, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it was like, uh, yeah, um, we'll get back to you on that. Please... Please leave a message for Ryan Pace because I'm not going to talk to you anytime soon. So, yeah. you know that was uh, and that was the way he was the entire time. And so I certainly hope uh, Poles does make himself more available to the media. I do, I I do want to see him be a, a face of the organization because 
Pace was a face of the organization only in being a face. Yeah, I mean, it, with Ryan Pace, it always felt like just he, he always felt like a master at diffusing responsibility, right? Like, <laughs> right. I want I want Ryan Poles to be a better leader than Ryan Pace was. And you know what? If the team is ten and two, I agree. There's no reason for the general manager to be down there talking to the media. But Ryan Pace presided over some terrible seasons. Terrible. This last one being one of the worst. And at some point, I don't want to hear from the head coach anymore. Like, I don't want to listen to John Fox explain why he can't win games with Marcus Wheaton and Logan Paulson and, (laughs) you know, all the bad players that are on the roster, right? Like, you are the one that put that roster together. When it's non-competitive, I I want to listen to you explain why. But that's besides the point. Ryan Pace is gone. I, I, I hope that Ryan Poles takes more of a leadership role, and that could be talking to the media, but I want him to be the guy that's running the football operation, right? Like, I don't want to listen to how much he collaborates with his head coach and with his scouts and everything. Right. Obviously, I want you to have a healthy, you know, a, a healthy working group to help you make decisions, but I want it to be, A, diverse, so that you're not surrounding yourself with a bunch of people that think exactly the same way that you do when it comes to scouting or talent evaluation or anything else. But ultimately, once all of those thoughts get aggregated together, I want you to be the guy to make the decision and own the decision. I don't want it to be, oh, we all had a consensus that Mitch Trubisky was the highest-rated quarterback. Well, then whatever your front office that you've put together is is not effective yeah everybody is aligned on every critical decision then you're not running a healthy organization in any business especially the nfl yeah and you know um with polls uh it's just it to me it it uh echoing what you were just saying it does go to this leadership role right he is leadership Mm -hmm. and that means when your leadership when you get the glory, you get to celebrate the glory. When you guys suck, you got to stick your chin out and take some of it. Yeah. So that's that's part of uh, what fans saw or didn't see with Pace, was that he was never there. And we want somebody that uh, does come out and say, you know what, hey, this is, uh, I've got, I've got to take this, right? I've got to be the one that steps out there. I'm not going to just leave the head coach out there. Yeah, last year was a great, the 2021 season was a great example because at the beginning of the season, you looked at the defensive backs and you were like, what are they going to do with this group, right? I mean, it it wasn't shocking news. It wasn't some kind of revelation. But I certainly wanted to hear from Ryan Pace, what were you thinking? What is going on? What are you expecting to see here? And we didn't get to see any of that. Not that any of us were surprised that we didn't get to see anything from that. So now, uh, as you said, that was history. This is the future. What do we see from Ryan Poles from this point? And this leads us perfectly into a transition of talking about what is what we're going to see happen with head coach. Yeah. One more point I, I just want to hit on quickly. I, I really like the fact that it doesn't appear that Ryan Poles has any connection to Bill Polian. Like, <laughs> if he had hired, if the Bears had hired somebody from the Colts, I would have been like, "All right, like, I know you interviewed right. a bunch of guys, but was this predetermined from the start?" Like, <laughs> right. the, the fact that it seems to be an independent hire and that everybody went into the process with an open mind, I think, is really good. It does also uh, just um, uh, McCaskey's uh, measure of going out to pick out pick him up himself. That to me shows a total vested interest yeah. in him as a as a new hire, as an individual, as somebody he's entrusting in the organization. Yep. I mean, like you said, I mean that's a big deal that he actually went out to O'Hare to pick him up. So yeah, yeah. Okay, so now head coach, right? So immediately after Schefter tweets out that the Bears have hired Ryan Poles, Schefter sends out a second tweet that says. Jim Caldwell is currently in the building, and many around the NFL seem to be behind the idea that you'd pair Ryan Poles with an experienced head coach. And immediately everyone's just like, ugh, this is going to be Ryan Pace and John Fox all over again. All over again. And after that, you know, the the dust kind of settled a little bit, 
And I started seeing a lot of people reporting that as a condition of accepting this job, Ryan Poles said that he wanted to, A, interview the three Bears' current head coaching finalists himself, individually, nobody else in the room. Yes. The three finalists being Matt Eberflus, Dan Quinn, and uh, Jim Caldwell. And after those three interviews take place, which which I think are all scheduled for tomorrow, tomorrow, Wednesday, then he's going to decide if he needs to expand the list to include additional finalists right yes which is great news because that means that this is going to be his coaching hire what did we hear when pace hired fox everyone kind of was a bit mealy mouthed about it and they said well it's his hire but he kind of got talked into it again not taking ownership of the process right that doesn't sound like it's going to be the issue here it sounds like this process is going to be owned by polls and polls alone which and I, poll and and polls stepping out and saying i'm owning this yeah and i love that right and i love that he said that i'm not taking the job otherwise because he has other options i mean like you said if he didn't get this job he was probably going to be the vikings job yeah if he didn't get either of those he was going to get another job next year most likely so he he had leverage in that regard he it, if you go back to 2015 when the Bears hired Ryan Pace, I don't think anybody else was going to hire him. I don't think so either. At least not in 2015, right? Yeah. They, I mean, while he was one of the top talked about names, whether he actually was going to get hired or not was definitely iffy. Yeah, it was up in the air. But that's not the case with Ryan Poles because he, he's a well-thought-of executive. He's coming from an organization that's going to continue to succeed. And so him saying... I'm not going to let you talk me into hiring Jim Caldwell or any other coach that I don't want. And maybe he does like Jim Caldwell. And if he hires Jim Caldwell, then great. That's who he he attaches his name to. Yeah, exactly. Then it's your decision. You've got to own it. But I'm encouraged that it sounds like he's he's being given the autonomy to make whatever hire he wants. So with that, I guess, with those three names, any any initial reaction to the current three finalists? Well, so um, I uh, I read that he has connections with uh, Dan Quinn and he has connections with uh, Iberflus. Um, I, I don't know exactly what those are, but I, I'm... I think that Eberflus and Quinn, I'm not on the bandwagon for Caldwell. I just, I just, I can't get past uh, the amount of time that he's already spent in the league. Um, And I just feel like this is a time for uh, somebody new to take us into the future. I I, I think that um, once you get X amount of tries in the NFL, uh, it, it's it's ultimately about somebody who has that hunger and desire to make some something of themselves, make their own name. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when it comes to Caldwell, you know, you look at him and he's a guy that could easily be retired uh, and be with his family. I mean, he's he's had this really good long career and he must be, you know, a wealthy man now. And But instead he chooses to want to come back to the league well I, I there's a lot of guys that are at the bottom or they're right at the cusp uh, at the bottom is I, I'm, I'm trying to make a point that they're yeah. at the cusp right but they're they're at that that they're you know trying to grab for the big time and I, I want one of those guys I want the guy that is trying to grab for the big time and so if it means if it means Dan Quinn, yes, he already has been a head coach, right? But he's still a young candidate, um, or Eberflus. Okay, fine. I'm just not big on bringing in a DC because I I just have this feeling that it's going to be hard to retain an uh, an OC with having a DC head coach. I just I just do. But you know, uh, neither here nor there. Neither both of them seem like you know. Good candidates. They're both good defensive coaches. I don't think there's any arguing that. Absolutely. And I, I want to talk about Jim Caldwell for a second because I think that I actually like him more than most Bears fans do because I, I, I think what you said is, is valid, right? I mean, he's 67 years old. Yeah. He's had a couple head coaching jobs before, and he, he's been around the league for a long time. 
But I, I kind of want to just circle back and just go go through his history just a little bit. So his first year ever as a head coach was 2009 with, with the Colts, and they went to the Super Bowl, and they lost to the Saints. Yeah. The next year, they went to the playoffs again and lost. I can't remember to who. And then his third year, his last with the Colts, was a year where the Colts were just tanking. That was the year that Peyton Manning was out through the entire year, and they were starting Curtis Painter and... Oh, uh, right. Uh, like... A hundred year old Kerry Collins, right? So <laughs> they went, I think, one in 15 or two in 14. Uh, Caldwell gets fired, Peyton Manning ends up leaving, and the Colts end up drafting Andrew Luck. So, you know, you can argue about whether or not he got a fair shake there or not. I mean, he, he made the playoffs his first two years as a coach, granted, with Peyton Manning. And then a year that the Colts tank because Peyton Manning's hurt is, is the year he gets fired. Right. Okay. The next year, he goes to the Ravens as a quarterback's coach. Right. Halfway through the season, uh, the Ravens' offensive coordinator gets fired. They promote Caldwell to offensive coordinator, and that's the Ravens' team that goes on and wins the Super Bowl. So Caldwell was in charge of the offense that everybody had Joe Flacco labeled Joe, as elite. With Joe Flacco, right? yeah. From there, he gets hired by the Lions and has a winning record with the Detroit Lions <laughs> over four years. And that included, by the way, a 7-1 and record against the Bears uh, during his four years there. And right. then he gets fired after his fourth year, not because he was a bad coach, but because the Lions hired a general manager from the Patriots, and that guy wanted to hire Matt Patricia. Which, ask any Lions fan about whether or not they think that was a good move in hindsight. <laughs> now, I, I all that's to say, right, I mean, I, I think... He, 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 there's definitely an argument that he got screwed by the Lions. I think everybody agrees that that was a mistake, firing him to bring in Patricia. You can make an argument that he got screwed by the Colts, too. And that's why I think the motivational point mm-hmm. may not necessarily apply here because I, I think he's a guy that has probably, probably in his mind feels, didn't get a fair shake at either of his previous two jobs. And I think it's a consensus in the NFL that he didn't get a fair shake with the Lions because... Who was the last Lions head coach to have a winning record there that wasn't, like, an interim that coached the last game of the year, right? Yeah. And, you know, so so I don't know that he's necessarily at the top of my list. I have but, coaches that I like more, but I, I don't think he's as bland of a hire as people seem to think. But, you know, you know, I'm looking here at his, uh, at his history. December 2018, he was uh, interviewed by the Packers for head coach, did not get that job. Uh, interviewed by the Jets uh, following that, did not get that job. Interviewed by the Browns, did not get that job. Um, he did work for Flores for the Dolphins. So, um, you know, he also interviewed for head coach with the Jaguars, did not get that job. And granted, um, I think it, it's not a revelation to say that uh, black candidates have not got a fair shake uh, as far as head coaching positions. Yeah. So that's certainly part of this. Um, but uh, at the same time, you also got to look at it and say, okay, while that's that's part, that's part certainly part of it, is, that, is it all of it? Yeah. We can't say. But we can say that he has gotten opportunities and things have not worked out. Yeah. And whether he's gotten screwed or not is also open to interpretation. Probably it's somewhere in between, yep. right? Now, here's what here's what I find a little bit interesting is, could he potentially be an offensive coordinator for the Bears, right? Because yes. I, I, I think Jim Caldwell's a really good coach. And he, and he kind of fits the description of what I was talking about last week, where if you're going to hire a defensive coordinator as your head coach, you want him to bring in an offensive coordinator that's good, but isn't necessarily going to bolt for a head coaching job. And Caldwell does seem like that could be a real candidate for a- that. Absolutely. Right? Like, if the Bears end up hiring Brian Flores, Brian Flores, it's been publicized, wanted Jim Caldwell as his offensive coordinator in Miami. Mm-hmm. And so, would would that potentially be a pairing where Caldwell comes in, he's your OC for the next four or five years, he's probably not going to get a head coaching job? You know, could that be something that works? Maybe. You know, would Jim Caldwell take an offensive coordinator position with the Bears after he interviewed for a head coaching job? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know him. It, it, it would depend on how he views that opportunity, right? I mean, 
I, I think that if I were in his position, I would want to work with Justin Fields, right? I mean, compared to some of the other options that he might have around the league. So we'll see. I mean, I, I think your point about the defensive, you know, a potential defensive coordinator, I mean, we talked about that last week, right? I mean, the right. fear there is that there's no continuity at the offensive coordinator position. You know, he, he could be a guy that fits that profile. It, it's it's just going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I, I, I think if we think about the other two, Eberflus and, and Quinn, I mean, I like Dan Quinn. I think he's a good coach. He's another guy that had Kyle Shanahan as a, his offensive coordinator in Atlanta, uh, and, and those were the years that he was most successful. And then once Shanahan left to be the head coach of the 49ers, uh, Quinn was never able to find a, a second offensive coordinator to replicate that success, and that's eventually part of why he uh, didn't end up you know, keeping that job. The other part was, if you remember the Atlanta Falcons under Dan Quinn, they, <laughs> they were just notorious for not being able to hold a lead. I mean, they, they just had some epic collapses, including, by the way, one against the Bears and uh, Nick Foles. Yep. If you remember that one, that was the game that Trubisky got benched. Um, so, you know, I, I, I've heard that a lot of people think that he's got good ideas for how to improve the second time around. I mean, he's interviewing with pretty much every uh, team in the league that has a, a an opening. So th- that's another guy that interests me. Eberflus, everybody seems to have really positive things to say about him. Um, I, I still am interested in Brian Flores. I know he's not on the list of uh, finalists, but as, as I said earlier, that list could change depending on how these next three interviews go with Ryan Poles. So, I don't know. I mean, exciting things. Well, you know, what we're um, what we're interested to see is, you know, the, there is a lot of buzz around Dan Quinn uh, being the, uh, you know, being uh, the next guy there. Um, I think uh, I, I'm not, it's not like I'm dead set against against Caldwell and it would be interesting to see if they could just bring him in as as an OC. I don't know how much interest he has in that, but uh, it, it regardless of the way it plays out, uh, I feel really good about the fact uh, simply that we have a GM who's willing to uh, just stick his neck out and say, you know what, this is my guy. I'm going to choose the guy, not you guys. This is going to be my guy, and he's going to be successful with me or he's going to be unsuccessful with me. And that just right there as a start is a perfect head in the right direction. I feel like whoever he does pick is going to get to come in with an entirely fresh start. Whatever happened, happened uh, in, in their past. But even, you know, with Caldwell, too. Uh, whoever gets the whoever gets that that opportunity, they're going to get to come in with this clean slate, and it's going to be um, okay. Well, you know what? You're really your number one uh, your number one ultimate challenge here is to develop number one. Yeah. So again, we come back to that, right? Because that's that's the guy. So whoever they bring in has to be looking at that and saying, because I'm I'm pretty sure that George McCaskey has made it clear, this is the guy you got to work with. At least I hope he has, because I, I don't want somebody to come in and go, okay, so what can we do to get a, a start off with a different quarterback? I don't want to see that. No, I don't either. I mean, if if uh, Ryan Poles thinks that Justin Fields sucks, I, I don't think he probably would have taken the job. Agreed. I mean, like, like you said, right? I mean, this guy had options elsewhere, and I, I, I would imagine that if you didn't think that you were going to be in a position to be successful in this role right away, then I don't think you would have taken it. I mean, general managers don't typically get second chances in the NFL, right? <laughs> right. I mean, that that's just the case. I mean, head coaches, if you fail in a first spot, unless you, you know, really fucked it up, you usually get a second opportunity somewhere else. Right. That's not always the case for general managers. A lot of them are one and done, especially minority general managers well right? and, so. it, and, and for general managers and head coaches the 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 time period has shrunk yeah absolutely and i mean it, it's well documented this the nfl's issues with hiring minorities right so right. 
uh, unfortunately, if, if it doesn't go well the first time, a lot of times you don't get a second opportunity. You know, hopefully, you know, that's changing in the league. But, I mean, it, it's just a fact. Look at the data, right? So yeah. I, I don't think that he would have taken this job if he didn't feel it was going to give him the best opportunity to succeed. You know, because he could he could sit in Kansas City. I mean, Kansas City is going to be in the Super Bowl every year for the next six years, right? Like, it's not like the the, the certainly could happen. Yeah, it's not like the executives in that front office are going to run out of opportunities, right? So, you know, I, I I think that probably says something about how he feels about his ability to run the organization. I think that probably says something about how he evaluates the quarterback position. I mean, I'll say this, the rest of the roster is a mess, right? Like, and you don't have a ton of draft picks. Yeah. So the immediate term is going to take some really, really smart maneuvering if you're going to try to make this into a playoff team next year. I mean, I I think that he's certainly going to have a a little bit of a honeymoon period where he can blame, uh, you know, next season for sure on Ryan Pace just because... The roster is is so it's a disaster. Yeah, it's 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 got so many different holes, and you just don't have draft capital. Um, yeah, you're finally going to get some money back. Yeah, I absolutely. I mean, I I I, I one thing I do like is that uh, Poles was a offensive lineman, so I think that means he likely values the offensive line position. I mean, I think that was. One of my biggest issues with Ryan Pace is that he, that seems to just be a, a part of the roster that he just never invested in. Right. Had a couple of nice hits in the draft, Cody Whitehair, James Daniels, but, you know, how many years did he go without drafting a tackle, right? Yeah. Like, so I, I, I hope that means that Ryan Poles is going to focus on that part of the roster just because, I mean, just look at the last uh, draft in Kansas City, right? I mean, the Chiefs have two rookie offensive linemen starting right now that are playing at a really, really high level. So yes. y- you hope that that's a, a skill set that, that comes here because how long have we been complaining about the Bears' offensive line over how many different regimes? For 100 years. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> since I've been a fan, right? I mean, it, that's always the thing that people point to is they can't protect anybody. I mean, well, the, and, you know, the ironic thing there is is that the 06 season when they went to the Super Bowl, all, all five guys started yep. 16 games. And, uh, yeah, that's like the only one, (laughs) you know? So yes, it is a, it's a big, uh, spot, a a big spot that must be fixed for this guy for, for, and when I say this guy, I mean, number one, we have got, yes, he's mobile, but you know what? He's also, he's got to have longer than two seconds to throw the ball. Uh, he, he has to have, he has to be able to, um, we, we need to have running lanes. Uh, we can't have our. Our running backs averaging 1.5 yards per carry. Uh, we um, and the other part, of course, is we got to be able to stretch the field, and that that comes from wide receivers. And I, we we don't need to go into Pace's success um, or lack thereof at at the wide out position. Um, so uh, there's so many things that he's going to immediately have to dig his hands into, and. It will be very interesting to see, does this change Allen Robinson's status? Does Allen Robinson, because he doesn't have to deal with uh, pace anymore, does he stay? And do we want him to stay? Now, the thing is, is that I was a huge proponent of him until last year. And while I recognize that I feel, that I've said it many times over, that I feel that Pace mistreated him. That whatever happened last year, for him to get off scot free and just say I'm disgruntled, it doesn't cut it for me. Yeah, I mean that's the thing about a new general manager is that everybody starts with a bit of a clean slate, right? right. Like uh, Ryan Poles is not going to care where somebody was drafted or what Ryan Pace traded for him because that mistake was made by somebody else. Right. So. Not my problem. It's a sunk cost. I'm only concerned about what's best for this roster going forward. That's right? a that's a great term. Yeah. Sunk cost, yeah, right? Exactly. Like, so with Robinson, I, I certainly think that if if he has any ill will towards the Bears, right, it, it shouldn't necessarily survive the regime change because it's not Ryan Poles' fault that Ryan Pace didn't 
treat Alan Robinson well, right? Like yeah. now, I, I I think so. So that part of it is one thing. I think you make another good point. I, I'd want to know why Allen Robinson was so ineffective last year. Is it because he wasn't on the same page with Fields? Is it because he wasn't trying because of the contract? Is it because he was injured? Is it because the Bears were phasing him out of the offense because they? didn't think he was going to be around long-term. I mean, is it some combination of all of those things? I think that should inform your decision. Probably is D all of the above, Prob- right? Probably, yes. But, but but still, you know, one of the things I enjoyed about Allen Robinson was he always seemed like a gritty player. He always seemed to have a leadership about him. And just this total collapse, it just, it really disheartened me. Yeah, it just fell off the page and... I get being annoyed or disgruntled if you're on the franchise tag, but you know, you're still getting $18 million <laughs> to go out there and at least pretend to give an effort, right? Like, right. There, there were definitely some moments this year where you saw him just give up on plays, and I think. Blatantly. Yeah, like there was the one in the Packers game, I think, where he was running down the field and he had an opportunity to block a guy that was going to, and he just, he just, he just gave it the old Olay, like the the Roger Dorn treatment in major league, right? Where it's just, nope, I am not interested in hitting that guy. So if, if a, a significant portion of last year's unproductivity was due to him, you know, not putting in his full effort, I mean, I don't know how Ryan Poles would feel about that, but I would certainly let that dissuade me from wanting to give him a a large contract extension. So we'll see. I mean, the Bears are going to know why he was truly so ineffective, regardless of what they've said publicly. That will inform how they treat him. And I think Allen Robinson, part of probably why he really tailed off is I think he knows. He's smart enough to know that, his performance last year cost him a bunch of money. I mean, yeah. he's not going to get a big payday after last year, I wouldn't think. So we'll see. I don't know. I mean, well, the rumor is is that he wanted twenty million, and he's certainly not going to get that. No, I think um, the most likely scenario for him is that he's going to sign a one year deal with somebody. Yeah, that you know, yeah, the prove it deal, right? Yeah, which is pretty sad when you when you think about it because if he didn't act. There, I, there's no way I give him a pass on last year. Zero percent chance. He's a player. He's the one that has to actually go out on the field, right? And the thing, and the fact of the matter is, is no matter what was happening, he should have been more effective than he was. Because I think I read, I, I think I looked it up, and he was like number one hundred ninety-seven or something, some ridiculous number, right? And he was the number two paid receiver in the NFL, number two. So, um, you know. There, you just don't fall off that much without taking some of that on yourself. Yep. So um, now, it, it, whether bringing him back or not is a good idea. That's what that's what Ryan Poles is for, right? Yeah. That that's going to be one of his first big decisions. Is he definitely has a huge hole that he has to address there, right? Darnell Mooney is not a number one. He's not going to be a number one. He he might be a number two next year. That that could happen. He had a he had a good first year. He had a good second year, right? And he's definitely shown growth, right? Maybe he can grow more. But I still don't see him as a number one. I don't ever see him becoming a number one, which means that we have to find a number one. And right now, when I looked at UFAs, uh, the the two names that really popped out at the top are Chris Godwin and Robinson. And Devontae Adams. Oh, he's well. Yeah. I'm not counting Adams because I I don't think Adams is going to leave Green Bay. I don't see uh, Guta Knunst or however you pronounce his name uh, letting him leave. You wouldn't think so. No. Yeah. I mean, and this is going to be interesting because it, it it's going to come down to a allocation of resources at this point, right? Because almost every position on the Bears right now could be upgraded. Yeah. If, if you were building out your ideal roster, there's almost no nobody on the Bears that you'd put on that, right? Like, <laughs> so there's plenty of opportunities. Other than number one. Yeah, so like, there's plenty of opportunities to go out and sign and draft players. So we already know. And Jalen Bears- Johnson and Roquan Smith. Yeah, yeah. So three, three good players. <laughs> three good players. So right. you, you got... I think the Bears have, what, like five draft picks next year? Yeah. So that's not many. Not and, many at you know, all. They've got, they've got some cap room. They, they I, I think, are actually 
better than I thought they were for most of the season. So they're going to be able to sign some guys too. But it's going to be interesting to see, all right, what can we live with, right? Like, so for example, like tight end, you know, I, I don't think anybody's really that high on Cole Komet, but he seems serviceable, right? It, it, it's what we've got. Yeah, like... That, I mean, they've got they've got to keep going with him at this point. Yeah, Cole Komet, maybe you sign a couple other guys. He's not a total disaster. Yeah, exactly. Like, receiver and cornerback are the two positions that come to the top of my head where... Are, these are immediate areas of need, right? Yeah, like, Mooney and Johnson, and that's it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, cornerback is, I think, even worse than receiver, right? So we're, we're going to see. Boy, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's, you, you could make an argument. They're both terrible. They're both terrible. So it, it'll be interesting. I mean, I, I'm sure he's going to go through and evaluate uh, the roster, and he's going to come up with his own. I mean, I'm sure he already has some ideas, and I'm sure that was part of his interview. What's going to be interesting with Robinson, too, is it'll be interesting to see, like, if he does bring back Robinson, it'll kind of show me that he's not necessarily beholden to what they did in Kansas City, right? Because Robinson, I don't think his style of play is really one that fits with the Kansas City offense, right? Like, he, he's kind of a Agreed. he's kind of a slower, bigger guy that can go make a lot of really good catches in traffic, but you don't see anybody like that in the Chiefs, right? I mean, you got really. insanely fast guys and then Kelsey in the middle, right? all just freak athletes that right. can just burn pretty much any defensive back. Kelsey, you know, is that he's that new breed of tight end though. Um, he, he's in a league of his own, you know, there's only a few of those guys in the NFL, you know, that when we're talking about elite players, he's elite. Right. Yep. So that it, it's, as you were saying that whole, that whole thing on the offensive side of the ball, on the offensive side of the ball, it looks like, so we're set at quarterback. Um, whether he's going to be great or not, we don't know. But I'm just saying, number one is the guy. Uh, we're pretty set at running back, right? It's it at least if um, even what even if uh, Montgomery wants to leave, he he's under contract for another year. Yep. And uh, so we have Herbert behind him, and then um, and then so they'll have to work on the offensive line. We have a couple of pieces in there. Cody Whitehair is a, is a solid bet. Um, I would think that uh, Borum and Jenkins are certainly going to get every chance possible to win their positions, right? James Daniels, UFA. Yeah. Uh, I think that was a mistake letting him get to UFA because I think he's going to get multiple offers. Yeah. He's not the greatest player in the world, but he's very solid. And I think he has pretty good football smarts, which pay for a lot, right? So I I do I'm scared that he's going to get multiple offers. I'm scared he's going to get multiple offers in our own division. He might. So um, we'll have to see how that goes. And then yeah, then you go to the outside, and that's certainly uh, well. You got to go to tight end, right? Komet. He he seems to be a pretty solid blocker. He seems to be at least okay, serviceable as a receiver, um, but. He's not making anybody jump out of their chairs, right? So, and then you go to the outside, and receiver is just, ugh, it's just a mess. So, um, you know, it, you're looking at it from that end. What a we, receiver certainly has to be one of the top focuses. You would think, yeah. I mean, receiver and cornerback. I mean, that we complained about those positions the entire year, and receiver is one where if, if you're savvy i think you can probably find some guys at least to to you know stop gap right i mean right. you're not going to go out and get a number one wide receiver without paying a huge contract right right but you know you can find guys in the draft you can find guys in free agency that are productive i mean the chiefs are a good example of that right i mean they've got guys that you know a lot of people have heard of but are really productive players that don't necessarily jump to the top of your head when you're thinking about uh, top top level NFL wide receivers, guys like Byron Pringle or Robinson, right? Like, so so that's a position where you can find guys. Cornerback, that's a little tougher. I mean, if you're going to get a really really solid quarterback, a lot of times you do have to go higher in the draft, or you have to pay a, a big uh, sum in free agency. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, the Chiefs, obviously, right? Like that that's a that's a that's a 
a great example of how you build a winner in today's NFL. I mean, absolutely explosive offense and a defense that's good enough, right? Right. Like, the Chiefs aren't going to shut anybody out in the playoffs, but they got guys that can make plays. They got guys that can get the quarterback. They got guys that can create turnovers. And even though they might give up 28 points, they can trust their offense can cover that, right? So it'll be curious to see. I mean, I wouldn't expect Ryan Poles to come in and start throwing a ton of money at defensive players but you know maybe 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 i'm wrong but we'll find out yeah and you know right now we can't we we have no picture clear picture of that but um i certainly am excited to see what kind of improvements he can make with the offense because um of what he has done uh in 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 kansas city um but uh the defensive side of the ball yeah it's just as bad and that is, uh, there, there, there's more pieces that we can build around on the offensive side of the ball right now than we do on the defense. Because on the defense, we have so many problems with age and uh, contracts that are expiring, right? I mean, w- when you look at it, uh, you have Roquan, uh, you have Jalen Johnson, um, and that's kind of it. You know, uh, uh, I've mentioned to you that I, I like Bilal Nichols. Um, he's UFA. Uh, you know, I, I think that he's certainly worth bringing back. Now, he's one that might not draw a ton of interest. Uh, but we should be still doing, I think, what we can to secure him. Eddie Goldman. What happens in that situation? His cap number next year? Ginormous. Yeah. And so he's certainly not going to, the Bears are not going to keep him at the number that he's at. He's either going to have to take a reduction in pay or completely rework his contract to stay. If he wants to stay. Now, that's one of the things is that he's another player, kind of similar to Robinson, where we needed him a lot in the last two seasons, and he just really hasn't been there. Uh, one year, this because he point blank wasn't there, and the other year was well, he technically was there, but we sure didn't hear a whole lot about him. Yeah. So, and I mean, some of this is going to depend on the coach they hire too, right? I mean, Dan Quinn runs a base four three, right? Right. The Bears have been running a three four. So, does Eddie Goldman even have a spot in in that defense? I don't know. I mean, a lot of times, what happens when you switch your base defense? you end up with a lot of players in awkward positions for that first year, and the defense is usually pretty bad. That's true. Just because you can't turn over an entire defense all at once, right? I think Eberflus runs a 4-3-2, actually, now that I think about it. So it'll depend on the coach. I mean, if they hire an offensive coach, then maybe that's less of a concern for them. But, I mean, if they hire Dan Quinn, he's going to want to mold that defense to to be what he's familiar with, right? So. It, it, it's going to be interesting, especially on that side of the ball, to see what happens. It, well, and you know, uh, along those lines, though, also good athletes are good athletes, yeah. right? Eddie Goldman, before the last two seasons, was near the top in defensive tackles in the NFL. Um, I, I certainly consider him at least a top ten defensive tackle uh, before that whole thing happens, right? And the guy is still pretty young, um, yeah. so. You know, maybe we still have something to see there, right? But uh, to me, overall, yeah, the defense is really suffering. Uh, there's a lot of holes over there. And, uh, you know, he's he's going to have a lot of work. And, you know, what happens, um, you know, if we do bring in a defensive coordinator as the, as the new head coach, if we do bring in Eberflus, we do bring in Quinn, how much are they going to be a factor in making those uh, all-important personnel changes? Uh, because they're the ones that are supposed to be the experts. Absolutely. Real quick, I want to respond to one tweet that we got. Um, I think we've addressed some of the others that came in, so thank you for interacting with the show. But one tweet uh, would like to discuss the rumors of a VP of football operations to run the football side while... Ted Phillips works on the move to Arlington. So that's Ryan Poles. Ryan Poles is your vice president of football operations. He is the highest ranking football executive in the building. Yes. They're not going to hire somebody above him. They've said that they're not going to do that. He is 
going to report directly to George McCaskey, which is a change. Previously, the general manager has reported to Ted Phillips. Yes. So uh, you can think of Ryan Poles as the president of football, and Ted Phillips is the president of business. In theory, those two should be two co-equal members of your organization. Phillips should not have any sort of say in football and vice versa. Um, so I guess that answers that question. Yeah, this is the new chain of command. Yeah. And it, it's looking really clear, and I'm a happy man for it. Um, it George seems to be handling it pretty well. Uh, you know, Phillips has been with the organization forever. He has been there for a very long time, and he is good at what he does. And this deal in Arlington is going to be his crown. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's very close to retirement age anyway, but this is his opportunity to shine, right? Because I'm sure that the whole family is looking at this as we want a, to make a destination for the Bears. We don't want to just have a stadium anymore. We want a destination. That's why you would do Arlington. Yep. That's If you want to just stay in a stadium, you stay downtown, right? You stay down on Michigan and you, and you stay uh, in the colonnades. But that I don't think is happening anymore. I think it's a done deal that we're going to go to Arlington and they're going to make an entire complex there. Yeah. And I got to say, as a fan, I'm going to go. Uh, but uh, I think that it's become clear. Phillips, you stay on the money side. And this guy, Ryan Poles, is now in charge of all football operations. You got nothing to do with it. And to be honest, I'll bet that Phillips is totally cool with that. Oh, I'm you know sure. what? I, I'm, I never really wanted to be involved in that. I want to do the money side. So Yeah, I mean, with Arlington, if the Bears move out to Arlington and build a stadium that holds 100,000 people, similar to what's in Dallas or L.A. or Vegas, plus they own a casino that's out there, plus they own all the parking and all the restaurants that they're going to build out there, I mean, and a Hall of Fame. Yeah, and that that will increase the value of the franchise by literally billions of dollars. Yeah, magnitude. And so that is great I, if, A, you want to hold it, or B, if the McCaskies want to sell the franchise when Virginia passes, which is a rumor. Having that infrastructure in process is going to make them billions, right? Yeah. So, like you said, that is Phillips... Final, you know, that that will be his final stamp on the franchise. I think he'll likely retire once that's done. I'm sure that, I've always kind of felt that he, it's always seemed a little weird to me that he has remained in football as long as he has, right? Just because, like, if I were him, like you said, I am great at making money for this franchise, hand over fist. Why the heck do I want all the criticism that goes with how bad the actual team has been? Absolutely. So I don't know if it's just been a, a ego thing or, or if he's been in that football, and I'm using air quotes there, role as kind of just a perfunctory thing. But And we don't know how much of that was, uh, was the McCaskies themselves forcing him into that position, yeah. saying, well, we need somebody to do it, and your name says president. So here you go. You know, I, I mean, that's not surprising in any corporate organization having to do stuff that, like, you know, you want to say this isn't my job. Well, it is now. Yeah. You know, so oh, that that's not that's not shocking. But regardless, uh, at this point, um, it does look like they're trying to make a more clear uh, hierarchy. They are trying to make the paths more uh, clear cut, and I'm good with that. And I'm really excited about this new guy. I can't wait to see what he's going to do, and I don't think we're going to have long to wait um, to see his next big move. I don't either. I mean, I think we'll probably have a coach sometime over the next few days. I wouldn't be shocked if we have the coach uh, filled by Championship Sunday. Yeah. And then I, I think, you know, once once we get through the remainder of the playoffs and you're allowed to start negotiating with players, I think we're going to see... Uh, the, Ryan Poles make his mark on this roster. See some hard quickly. choices. I mean, there's there's a lot of room to maneuver with this. I mean, there's got. I mean, one guy that comes to mind is like Eddie Jackson, right? Like, yeah, that was like one of Pace's like most successful picks, but he's been pretty ineffective for the last couple of years, and they're paying him a lot of money. So, like, that's a perfect example of what I was talking about with sunk costs, right? Like, Ryan Poles yes. is not going to care that he was. Uh, 
fourth round pick made good. He's not going to care that Ryan Pace gave him a stupid contract. If, if he wants him gone, that's a guy that he could say, you know what? Maybe someone will give us a fifth round pick for Eddie Jackson. We need draft picks. Get out of here, right? Like, yeah. I don't know that that's going to happen. I'm not necessarily saying that it should, but that's just a perfect example. Or Khalil Mack, right? Like, hey, not my fault that we're going to have to eat a bunch of dead money to trade you. Yep. That's Ryan Pace's fault, right? Yep. So if I think we can get a, a fourth-round pick for you, then I think that's better for the Bears. So it's going to be interesting to see how he makes those decisions. It'll be interesting to see what moves are made, what moves aren't. I'm, I'm excited. And and um, and it'll be a lot of fun to talk about the draft because um, with the lack of picks that are available just in itself, is, is he going to make trades uh, to just acquire more picks. Uh, five picks is ridiculous. And if you go look, um, if you average out the amount of picks that Pace has had over his seven seasons, it's about five. Yeah, it's not much. I mean, it really is. And, and that's ridiculous. Especially, you know, so. especially if you take away the number of picks he had in the seventh round. <laughs> Feels like every year we have at least two seventh round picks. Right, right. So uh, yeah, it picks above four. Yeah, right. So um, so anyway, uh, well, uh, I think uh, I think that does it for uh, this week. Um, we're certainly we might do a, a special uh, this weekend, uh, depending on um, when the uh, head coach uh, announcement comes out. Which I certainly think I agree with you. I think it'll be very soon. I could see it being Friday or Saturday. And uh, it might be tomorrow, and and, and I'm I'm pretty excited about it too. Yeah. I mean, if if rumors are true that he's as tight with Dan Quinn as he is, they might go through interviews tomorrow, and we might have a, a breaking news story like tomorrow and the day, right? So we're gonna see. Yep. Anyway, uh, thanks a lot again uh, for listening, uh, Tom. Yeah, I'm Jim, and better days ahead. <laughs>